Father, we give you thanks for this nation. We pray you would heal us. We ask you that we would be grace dispensers, people that shine the light and encourage others, and that your love would be evident in all that we say and all that we do. And for this, we give you thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I was going to say something about Caleb Bossy, but he has forsaken me. He was sitting right over here just a minute ago, so I want you to call him out when you see him. He was in first service, so he came to first shift. He just didn't hit second. But uh, he, he was at Chick-fil-A this last week, and they had a fire in their drive-thru, and he put it out. And he's an employee over there. Congratulations to him. He's a great guy. I'm very happy for him. Also, if you're watching us today, I want you to click the share button, if you would, so your friends will know uh, you're watching, and they may jump on and find a word that they need today from the Lord through something that is said or done or sung in this service. So I encourage you, and we welcome you today. This is a good-looking crowd here. This is a wonderful crowd here at BWC, and I thank God for the privilege of worshiping the Lord together with you today and singing the songs of faith, and that was an epic baptism, very memorable baptism today. I thank God for that. That was next level. You could sense, sense the Lord's uh, blessing. He has been wanting to get baptized for a long time, and it, it all came together today. So I'm glad the family made that happen, and we are so happy for that. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open today to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. If you look at these early verses and early chapters of 1 Chronicles, it looks like you're walking through a cemetery. Now, if you go to the cemetery in the town where I live, where many of my relatives are buried, you'll see all kinds of people and names. And usually on the, on the tombstones, you see their name, and then you'll see the date of their birth and a dash. That means their whole life, boiled down to a dash. And then you see the date that they died. And so you can walk around and see my Grandpa Federhoff, my Grandma Federhoff, my Uncle Albert. You can see my Aunt Betty, my pastor uh, growing up, and his lovely wife. They are, they are all there. And you can go to another cemetery the other side of town, and there you'll see a lot more of my relatives. My dad, my uncle, you'll see plots that are available for some of the rest of us to die, but we're not dead yet, so they haven't buried. You'll see some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll see some tombstones above the ground. You'll see some of them just flat with the ground. You'll see some of them that are, that are just standing up. I saw one in my study in preparation about a lady that said she said she would never give you her recipe unless it was over her dead body. So you saw her name, her birth date, the dash, and the closing date, and on the back of the tombstone is the recipe <laughs> to her cookies. <laughs> another, another epitaph I saw is said that uh, I died for not forwarding that email to 10 of my friends. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy stuff you see on these, on these tombstones. Uh, and then sometimes it's real, but a lot of times it's just nothing. So if you walk through um, the chapters of First Chronicles, you see so-and-so was a son of, was a father of, was a brother of, or whatever. It's got all of these listings of who they were and what was going on. But when we come down to this verse, 9 and 10, we begin to see something that stands tall and causes us to want to do what J. Oswald Sanders said. We want to pause and take note of it. We want to study this passage out. 
Now in 2019, it was a snow day and I preached from this passage, but today I want to look at this again because I feel like it is noteworthy. And on this beginning of the year, I felt drawn to this as something that some in this service, other services watching us, we're going to need. And this might be for you. And if it isn't for you, it very well could be for the person sitting right around you. So do nothing to disturb them today. If you must go out, please sit in the back when you come back in so you don't disrupt coming back all the way to the front. So I thank you for that. John Maxwell put it this way. He said this, there are 600 names or so listed here, but Jabez is singled out. And he's singled out for three reasons. He had great ambition. He had great faith. And he also had a great prayer. So we see these great dynamics of the life of Jabez. And they are epic because the scripture takes time here to record this and to report this to us. So we would take note of this. So we would see this and say, wow, there's something unusual about this. So today, with the Lord's help, I want to look at four statements. And the four statements we will look at today from Jabez Epitaph show us how we can pray a sincere prayer and expect significant life-changing impact to occur from that prayer. And the first of these great statements, these four statements is this. Jabez had an unimpressive name. Look at verse nine. His name means anguish, it means intense sorrow, and it means pain. You have probably heard him referred to mostly as pain. We're not sure exactly all that's included in this as to why he might be called that. Perhaps his mother had a very unusual labor with him. Perhaps his dad had died and perhaps, maybe, his mom realized she's gonna have to raise him. Maybe they said they didn't want any more children and here comes, oops, and they called him pain. I can just imagine that Jabez at night probably did not say, probably did not say to his mother, would you tell me that story about when I was born? I just don't think he wanted to hear it again. I just don't think it brought a lot of joy to his heart, a lot of encouragement to it. I don't think he did that. The kids in the neighborhood knew who he was. He was a royal pain. They understood at school and the classmates, he was a pain. The neighborhood, the, the school, the family, everybody knew he was pain, anguish, deep sorrow. It's kind of like this lid or this cloud was put over Jabez. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you, you, you really never get off the ground because there's some kind of a cloud about your life. There's just something about from the very beginning of your life, you've never really been able to get off the ground. You don't know exactly what's going on with this. Jeff Newton was teaching Sunday school class. He had four-year-olds and five-year-olds in the class. And he was teaching them every week how to say the Lord's Prayer, which we said this morning. And there was a four-year-old boy who was doing his best to learn it, but he had a voice that you could understand and hear over the other voices and he prayed it this way, our Father who art in heaven, I know you know my name. I love that. A lot of theology in that really. A lot of good things in that to grasp hold of because here's the deal. Right across this room right now, God knows your name. Across this room right now, God knows your station in life. He knows your age, he knows, he knows your bank account, he knows your thoughts before you think them, he knows exactly where you've been, he knows what you think of yourself, and he knows the labels that maybe have been put on your life, labels that have stuck, and some of them have been insulting, and some of them have been lids that you have experienced in your life, and they have not released you to your purpose, and not propelled you to a destiny that is honorable, and nothing is happening in your life that is really bringing great joy and great victory. You could identify a little bit with Jabez. 
he had an unimpressive name. Then I noticed Jabez had an unimpressive social position. We don't know as much about this, but verse 9, he is listed as more honorable than his brothers. So his, his family around him really was not much. As a matter of fact, when you read from some of the people that write about this, they would say he really came from nothing. He came from really not much of anything at all. But honorable means noteworthy. Honorable means impressive. And Jabez's life became more impressive the longer he lived. It started out rough, but it continued on and became something very memorable, very impressive, something we would even talk about several thousands of years later. When you cut a tree down, you lay it down, it falls to the ground, you see the rings of circle. If you had looked at the beginning rings that, uh, that talked about the beginning of Jabez's life, they would have shown all kinds of things, perhaps lack. Lack of rain, perhaps too much wind, perhaps too much rain. You have all of the, but if you move to the outer rings, you begin to see good things, blessings and health and victory and life and next level living. It's all out there for us to read of his life. And Jabez was going to send up a most impressive prayer. He was going to send up a very short prayer, but it's an epitaph worth remembering. It's one worth listing in the Bible, and so we have it today to consider. And so we look at this particular epitaph right here. And Bruce Wilkinson in here is writing on this. He had something I thought was beautiful. He took he, his wife, their little children out to a playground. He said it was one of those playgrounds where they have, where they have seesaws and swing sets and all kinds of ladders that take you up for the slides. He says, as a matter of fact, they had three slides. They had a little slide, a middle slide, and a great big slide. Remind me of the playground at Eugene Field Elementary School where I grew up. They had this for the little kids, middle-aged kids, and then the older kids at our grade school. So he said, our little boy was five years old. He ran over to the first slide. He raced up the ladder and slid down. Did that three or four times, having a lot of fun. Then he went over to the middle slide, and he said when he got over to the middle slide, he looked at it a little bit and stood there. Other kids were, they were going up the ladder, sliding down, running around, ladder, sliding down, ladder, sliding. And finally, he gets hold of it. He goes on up. He sits there a little cautiously, and then he slides on down as he gains strength and momentum to do it. And he went on down. Well, then he circled back around another time or two and did it again. But then he realized he had not yet conquered the big one. In his five-year-old mind, it must have gone up into the clouds. It looked so big, so foreboding, so intimidating. But there it was to be conquered. And so he went over there and he started looking at that one. There was an older kid or two that was racing up the steps and sliding down, racing up the steps and sliding down. He looked over at his dad. His dad saw that he was going to be looking at him, so his dad turned away. Bruce did to see what his boy would do. His wife said, you've got to go help him. He said, no, let's wait. Let's see. Let's don't rush. Let's don't interrupt. He said pretty soon he made it on step one. He made step two. He made step three. And then he froze. Have you ever frozen? He froze. Frozen about a decision. Frozen about a possibility. Frozen about what life has given you. Frozen in time. Hands won't move. Knees are shaking. Here you are, heart pounding, sweaty palms. And he looks over at his dad. His dad gets up now. His dad comes over. There's a big kid waiting to go up there, up the ladder. And he says to 
Bruce's son, get out of the way, kid. Bruce looks up at his son, not interrupting, only to say, what do you need? And his, dad said, his son said, I need you, dad. I need you. His dad reached up, pulled him off, let the other kids go on up, and then his dad walked up the big slide. Up, up, up they went, higher and higher, as if they were headed toward the clouds. He sat down, put his son on his lap, held him tight, and they began to go down that slide laughing all the way. Some of you sitting here have gone up and down the first slide of your life. You've gone up and down the second slide of your life. But God is calling you this year to the big slide. He's not calling you to the little in the middle. He's calling you to the big slide. He has high expectations for you, high hopes for you, high opportunity for you. He has next level situation for you to live. Will you live that next level situation? Jabez in these moments, he had an interesting prayer. Verses 9 and 10 talk about this. He lists four specific requests. Verse 9, he asked that God would bless him. He asked that God would bless him. He says, I want you to bless me with overwhelming blessing. I want you, God, to prosper me. I want you to help me out. Now, prosper means this. We're walking along in life, doing everything we believe God has called us to do, and we're doing it in our best strength, our best effort, our best mind, our best resources. But when we come to the end of our resources, our strength, our knowledge, and we want them to go further, and we need to go further, guess what? That's where Prosper comes in. That's where God comes along, and he begins to help us, like on that third ladder. Can I get a witness in the house? That is flat-out good preaching. He comes along, and he helps us move into areas we could never move to, become what we never could become, and to be the person he had in mind for us to be, to help influence the world around us so we don't curse the darkness, but we become the light, Christ through us, shining out with hope and joy and forgiveness and the transforming knowledge of Jesus Christ into the world that is around us. And that's what he says when he says prosper. Now, if you look at the, at the Hebrew writing of this, one writer said, you come to the end of this that you would bless me indeed. You would need to add five exclamations. You need to underline it and you need to put it in all caps because this is a serious prayer. This is a big prayer. Lord, remove that negative lid. Remove that negative boundary. Remove that cloud that has limited me. And God, I want you to do for me what only you can do. Now, Proverbs chapter 10 and 22 puts it this way. God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we do can improve on God. The psalmist writes in Psalm 5 and 12, it's not in your notes, but you might want to jot it down, Psalm 5 and verse 12. It says, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous and you surround them with your favor as with a shield. That's God coming to us on the top of the third slide, picking us up, sitting us on his lap, and then arms around, sliding down with us, and then Jabez, he not only asked that God would bless him, he said, I want you to expand my influence. I want you to enlarge my border. Now, if you look at that, it looks like he's praying a self-centered prayer. Bless me, health, wealth, gospel, all that stuff. Looks like it's happening there, but that is not really it. When you understand the background, Deuteronomy chapter 28, God is talking about giving the land. He's talking about blessing them. And Jabez is simply saying, God, I am available. God, I don't have to be my brothers. God, I don't have to be like all those other epitaphs. God, I want you to do in my life what only you can do, and I want to live out that life in that expanded blessing that you said you have available for us. I want to live in that reality. Amen. Chuck Swindoll puts it this way, and I think he had it right. 
He said, Jabez called out to the God of Israel to make him rich and powerful. This was an over-the-top prayer by a man with a genuinely sanctified ambition and great hope. He was a pure motive. He wasn't just hoarding it all to himself. And I want to say this. I don't believe that the healing God has given you, listen to this, I don't believe the healing God has given to you is just for you to sit there and take it in like the Dead Sea. I don't believe that if God has blessed you to prosper financially, that he has given it to you to just sit there and prosper like the Dead Sea. If you go to the Holy Land, you go to the Dead Sea, you see that water runs in, but no water runs out. That's why no fish are there. You don't see fishermen out there on it. There are no fish. But you go to the Sea of Galilee, you see boats and you can hear people talking and there's laughter and there's joy. Why? They have springs from underneath to feed it and they have the river coming in and the river flowing out. And when you see the river coming in and flowing out, that's what God is doing. He is blessing you and he is enlarging you. So in Genesis chapter 12 and 2, God is saying the reason I'm giving you a blessing is that this blessing could overflow into the lives of other people. And God hasn't healed you to keep it under a bushel. And God hasn't blessed you so you keep it under a bushel. You have a living testimony that is worth sharing that the Holy Spirit has empowered into your life and he wants you to take it out and to share it in the world that is around you. Can I get a witness somewhere in the house today? Come on, somebody. He has given this for expanded territory and expanded influence in our lives. And God is, is there available to all of us? Jabez, he asked that God would give him extra special power for living. He says, I want your hand to be on me. I want your hand to be on me. In the Old Testament, when God's hand was on us, when God's hand was on us, it would talk about it in various passages. Very often when I write a note to somebody, I'll include Isaiah 41.10. It says this, fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, God says, for I am your God. This is after all these depressing chapters before he's going to tell some more. He pauses here, Isaiah does, and under inspiration he gives this mighty, powerful, beautiful, fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Listen to this. With the power of my righteous right hand. That's God's power coming alongside you. That's when you don't have enough. You've come to the end of yourself. It's God pushing you into the next level. And the New Testament talks about this. God's hand is a symbol of power and strength. Acts chapter 11, verse 21, it says, and that the Lord's hand was with them. Now the scripture comes up on the screen. I want you to look at it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is a powerful, powerful passage. And I'm going to try to explain it for what it means uh, so we don't miss that. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. So we don't claim on our own ingenuity, our own creativity, some kind of extra level, extra something, another incompetence. No. But our competence, our wisdom, our favor, our blessing, our know-how to do comes from God. Look at that. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. That is a message of Christ Jesus. Not of the letter, what's he talking about there? He is talking about not of degrees and not of pedigrees like Paul would have boasted of and had the privilege of boast of. He said, not by all of that. Nothing wrong with all of the education and all that. But he says, in this case, we are not, we are not strengthened, we're not experiencing this by the letter, our accomplishments, human effort, but of the spirit. And he says, for the letter kills. When we think we've done it, we can do it, we're all that. God says, I don't share the glory. I'm not going to let you have a piece of the pie. It is God that we sing about, holy, holy, holy. It's not you and me, it's him. And so he says here, he says, but the spirit gives life. 
The word there in the Greek is pneuma, to describe spirit. Now, really, pneuma means breath. But we don't say Father, Son, and breath. We say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because they translated the word pneuma, which means breath, spirit. Get a load of this. It doesn't really just mean breath like you're sitting there breathing. It means a puff. It means a blowing of the wind. Acts chapter 2. That's what it means. It means the Holy Spirit coming alongside and doing for us what we can never do on our own. You can't see him. This morning we can't see him, but man, he lit the place up, right? And it's like, wow, the Holy Spirit is here. He is moving in our midst. This is beautiful. You can sense his move. What is it? It is that invisible of the wind of the Spirit, the pneuma, the breath. And so what he is saying here is, God, I want you to give me that extra power for living. And he said something else. He asked that the Lord would protect him from evil. Let me just say this. If God blesses you, you're going to have new experiences that are going to be wonderful and exciting. If God blesses you and, and enlarges you, you're going to have new temptations and new challenges. Mark it down. You're going to be going into new seasons and new territories and new places you've never been. And the warfare is different in those altitudes. And you must be ready for whatever is coming. So he says here, he says, I want, you, I want you to be with me and I want you to bless me and protect me from the evils and the perils. Jesus in his pattern prayer comes down to the end of his prayer and he says, pray this, pray that the Lord would deliver you from the evil one. That's Satan. Pray that he'll deliver you from all that is going on. So the psalmist writes it this way in Psalm 3 verses 1 through 3. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me, saying of me, God will not deliver you. No, God is not going to deliver you. But you, O oh Lord, you are a shield for me. You are the glory and the one who lifts my head high. <laughs> Hallelujah. There it is. It is you. And God came through big time for Jabez. Brian Ronfeld told about his wife, Angie, when she had been in high school, it was a very rough high school. There were not many Christians. They didn't know hardly any. But there was one teacher who was a Christian. He wasn't real vocal about that. His name was David Bunton. Years after he had retired and moved on in his life, they tracked the number of the students that had attended David Bunton's class Many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. Many were called into ministry as pastors as I am. Many were called into missionary work. And so, Brian tracked down David Bunton and said, I've got to talk to you. He said, so many from your class turned out to be wonderful people, followers of God. He said, what did you do? David Bunton said, I am shocked to hear you say that. I've lost track of them. I don't know where they are. And I didn't know they had come to faith in Christ. And he said, well, the only common thing is that they all attended your class. What happened? And David Bunton said, when I would give assignments and they would have to sit at their desk and begin to work quietly. I sat there at my desk and prayed over my class and prayed over my class and prayed over my class, every one of them that God would be with every one of them. And this great influence became a great transformation in their life. Jabez prayed. God heard. Things happened. And I want to look at Jabez in the fourth thing, and that is this. He had a great new beginning, verse 10 of your passage. 
God granted Jabez's request. Now, every prayer you pray, you may not get a prayer immediately uh, responded to in some way like he did. But you might. What if you do? What would be the uh, great result of that? And God began to work in his life, and he worked day by day. And day by day, you could see the rings on the tree changing, and Jabez becoming more blessed, more honorable. You could see his territory expanding. You could see things happening in his life. It was a beautiful thing. Jabez had taken hold of the faith, and God had honored him as he reached out to God and said, I want to go on the big slide. I want to go ahead and make my life count. I don't want to just be here. God, I, just, I, I don't want to just drift through, but I want you to do something in my life. Make me the next level person that you have designed me to be. And he prayed that prayer. What if all of us would dare to pray that prayer as we enter into this new year and say, God, however, wherever, whenever, why ever, I want you to use me. I want you to use me for your honor and your glory. Whatever little bit of life you have left or a lot of bit of life you have left, you just give it all to God and say, go ahead and take me and make me the person you want to be. Brandon Bradley was a surgical assistant, a physician assistant that helped with surgeries. And he felt like his life had lost purpose and aim. And he prayed to God that God would stir him and refocus his life. However he wanted to do it, he could do it. It was okay. And he said, I wound up, I wound up in a department at a plastic surgery place. He said it is a center of vanity for many. It was a place where they had come in, didn't need something, just wanted to be augmented some way. However, they wanted to have something done. He said, I'm thinking, God, what is up? This seems crazy. And then God spoke to him, not in an audible way, but just inside. And here's what God said to him. I want you to meet every Monday with those that are Christians in this place, and I want you all to pray. And so that's what happened. They met. He went around, told those few Christians. He said, hey, let's meet in op operation room number two, 15 minutes before work every Monday. We're going to pray that God, that God would be with our coworkers, that God would be with our patients, that God would bless us. And he said, as the year went along, every Monday they're meeting, he said, we prayed more boldly that God would give us opportunity to share the faith. He said, by the end of the year, we had led 10 people to Jesus. Powerful. That is incredible. He said, God moved him along to other departments. He said, I went into a bigger hospital. And he said, I was moved around into four different departments. As I moved into those four different departments, I set up prayer groups at each one of those departments that we might pray and see the atmosphere at the hospital change. He said, we prayed that the Holy Spirit would be with us and be in us and work through us. And he said, it was amazing what God chose to do through the beauty of that. I wonder what God might want to do where you live where you bloom, where you're planted, where you become whoever God wants you to be, the influence, and make the difference while you're here on this earth, while you're here to have life. Now, I don't know how God is using this message today. I don't know what God is saying, but I know that he is speaking. I sense him speaking. And I sense that you're listening to him. He is speaking into your life. When I was a kid, 14 years old, I surrendered my life fully to, to the work of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit ministered to me in that room. As I said, God, I'll do everything you want me to do. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. I surrender myself to you. I have a filthy anger. You've got to take care of it. You've got to transform because I cannot do it. And in that room, on that end of the summer night, he came into that room. He ministered to my spirit. He transformed me and changed me from that day to this. Have I been perfect? No. Have I gone back to him? Yes. 
But I'm going to tell you, he did something in my life right then. I had a passion to reach people for Jesus. I began to reach my neighbors and reach kids at school and reach, reach co-workers as I began to have jobs along the way. And then when I was 19 years old, I went forward at a camp and I said, Lord, here I am. What do you have for me? He said, I want you to preach. I said, preach. Oh, okay. And I became a minister, went off to training, thought I needed a girlfriend. There was a new girl transferring into our school. I thought, well, maybe this could be the one. Nothing's opened up for me. There was another gal that I thought was pretty sharp, but it just wasn't going to be. I knew it, and so I didn't pursue it. And I prayed on that Christmas break, God, I want to, I want, I want to marry Pam Scott. And he said to me, this is your year. And she sat by me at our Valentine banquet in February, and six weeks later, I got engaged to her, and we got married, and we've been together all these years, about 38 of them since. It's been a, quite a ride. And I was out in Missouri, pastoring a church. Church was hopping and popping. People were coming to Jesus. Things were happening. Child Evangelism Fellowship was close by. They, they would have me over to preach in their chapels because they liked to hear me preach. And I would go over there and preach my head off. And they would fill those rooms. And it was amazing how God moved in that place. And then I would go take care of the school and the administration over that and all the other stuff I was responsible for. And God put his hand on it and he blessed it. And they had numbers that they had not had. God was moving, but God was challenging me. And he said, I got more for you, kid. I don't want you to stay. I want you to go. I want you to go. I said to God on Friday, I said, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Wherever you send me, I'll go. I thought, ooh, could it be San Francisco? Please, Jesus. Could it be Seattle? Please, Jesus. I don't want to go to Oregon, Jesus. I already been to Pennsylvania. Didn't think you'd say that. I got a phone call on Sunday. When we got back that night, we were on vacation to Branson, Missouri. We got back. It was Harry Wood's voice on there. Dr. Wood said, Kevin, I want to talk to you about... Cherryville. As soon as he said Cherryville, the words came out of his mouth, Cherryville. The spirit lit me up and I knew I was moving to Cherryville. The rest was going to be procedure. We came out here. You voted. Felt like a piece of meat in a locker room, but you voted. <laughs> I hate those votes and dread every one of them. And so you, you voted and we've been here now in our 21st year. We're starting with you and we thank God for what's happened. But here's the deal. I was mowing in my backyard one day and I knew that we had no way to get the elementary school in Lehighton. We had no way to get it. We weren't going to be able to find anybody that would give us the money because we owe on this. It would not happen. And I was mowing on my riding mower back in the backyard. I could take you almost to the place. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, Kevin, you get up here at church and you say to the congregation, somebody here, some of you here, you have money that is rolled away. You won't miss it. God will replace it. And you could help us go get the money down on this building and be able to buy it. And wouldn't you know God moved on a family and, and, a, and a place and they, they gave interest-free loan and God has helped us and blessed us. I stood here absolutely scared out of my head when I said that. I didn't want you to know it, but I stood here absolutely scared out of my head. And I said, God, what are you going to do? And God helped us. And we were getting ready to, to close down. Our next move during COVID was we were going to have to close down because everybody else was. And we thought that's what we were going to have to do. And then when we, 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 had, we had huddled in that room, we were praying for God to bless us. We were praying for God to help us. And God showed us that we could go down to Becky's and we could hold church down there. And so we went down there and held, held church service at Becky. God helped. And I remember a day when I was thinking about this parking lot out here. It was going to be about $270,000 and we didn't have $1 to pay for it. But it was past time to replace it. 
And I remember parking by the flagpole and I walked up those steps coming up in the office area in the old sanctuary and I said, God, you have got to provide. This is your house. You have got to provide. And I'll tell you what, a little more that I walked into my office and they said, are you sitting down? They interrupted me and came in with a $150,000 check from someone at the church. And then the business administrator came down the hall a little bit later and said, we've got $70,000 from a person's estate that they passed away and it's coming due and we're getting the money. And then they called and said, there is another $90,000 gift that is coming that will help take care of the rest of it. And I said, hallelujah, hallelujah, because as a lead pastor, you carry the weight of that. As a board, you carry the weight of that. As a staff, you carry the weight of that. And I tell you what, I went, I went away rejoicing and thanking God that day because he had heard and answered our prayer. But I don't think he just wants to do that to me. I'm just a little old guy from Missouri. Not impressive. Not all that. And I know it. I know it. My relatives, my siblings, they all were on honor society. I never was. They all did great things in academics and all of that kind of stuff until I hit college. I didn't. Then I moved to the top. But I didn't. I always felt dumb. I always felt inadequate. I had been bullied by a dipstick and it bullied me. And I finally had to forgive that guy. I wanted to absolutely annihilate him in my adult years early on. But God helped me with that. And I got kicked off the Christmas tree at a church or two, just like, what in the world? But I want to tell you something. You are just like Jabez. I am just like Jabez. And I came to a God who Jabez came to know and that I have come to know. And he is supernatural. And he is incredible. And he can do for you what you can never do for yourself. And he can put you on TV for 10 years and make you a pastor of a church that is considered a good-sized church. And he can make you whatever it is in your corporation, in your business, whatever he wants you to be that nobody else believes you can be. He says, no, I'm going to come up to the third ladder with you, boy, and I'm going to get up to the top carrying you in my arms. And we're going to get to the top and we're going to sit down. You're going to be on my lap, Kev. I'm putting my arms around you. We're going down there saying, you can go ahead and laugh because I've got you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to enlarge you. I'm going to take you place you've never been before. And that's the type of thing I think God wants to do for you and you and you and you. I believe he wants to do that. And I share my very simple illustrations here today, not as a brag on me, but he has blown his breath. And I've said, Lord, don't let me stop your breath by blocking you in some way in my life. So I don't know what you need today. I don't know what you need to do with this. Pam, come to the keyboard here, and I'm going I'm to ask you to stand right now, if you would. I don't know if some of you say, Kev, God's been speaking to me, and I need to say yes to him. I don't know if God is speaking to you, saying, Lord, just speak clearly. I don't know what it is you're, you're about in your life. That's between you and the Holy Spirit, not me. But I'm inviting you to step out. I'm not going to ask you why you've come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand here at the front and present yourself to God. Right now, the new year is starting out and just say, God, here I am. 
this new year, my life, whatever, I, I say yes to your plan, yes to your way, yes to your will, whatever. You just come. If nobody come, that's okay. I'm not keeping notches on my belt. And if a bunch of people come, that's okay. So just step out from where you are right now and just come forward and stand here if you would like to. And we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over you in just a little bit. Just come from wherever you are. Nobody needs to know why you're here. And when you go home, don't anybody that's been here ask them why they came forward. That's between them and God. It's between them and God. Lord, we just recited a bunch of ways that you helped Jabez. We just recited a bunch of ways you've worked even in my own life. Contemporary, right here with our congregation. We thank you. I rejoice at the work of God. Lord, right here are standing men and women and people of different ages and backgrounds and people of different life experiences. You have heard and answered prayers by so many across this congregation and them included. And today, here we are presenting ourselves to you in a fresh way and a new way, saying to you, Lord, whatever we have, wherever we are in life, whatever's going on with us, whatever you have in mind for us, Lord, we want it to count. We don't want to drift through. We don't want to just keep going up and down the first and the second slide. If you have called us to the third slide, Lord, let nothing hinder us. Let no weapon formed against us prosper, Lord. Let no man, woman, child, anything intimidate us from experiencing your will. Lord, we pray that you would flow in us. You would, you would help us and move us past where we have gotten in our own energy and strength. And you would just take over our lives, Lord, that we might be totally surrendered to you, totally sold out to you, and experience a blessing, not for our own end and means, but for your honor and for your glory that many people in this nation, many people around this world would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the life-transforming awareness of Christ our Savior until our lives would be absolutely moved beyond what they have been. Be with any who are cynical among us today and feel that this would be emotional hype. May you, through your Holy Spirit, have patience with them and minister to them. And let them sense you in a way they've never sensed you before, to know you in the way you have revealed yourself through your word. In Christ's name. Lord, we give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you credit, we give you glory. Lord, we pray that you would do more, more and more through us that would honor you. Jesus, don't let us settle. Don't let us just stagnate. Don't let us just coast in this season of our life. Help each one of us to move for that third ladder to be on it with you. God, whatever it is, help us to do it while time is so short and we have a chance to make a difference in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I invite you to go to wherever you wish to, to your places or just stay here. I don't care whatever you want to do, but you're welcome to go back. I want to share with you a couple of quick stories very quickly. They are connected to me a, a bit on the personal side, but I'm sharing them for, for a whole point and reason. <clears throat> the other day I went down into Walnutport and as I drove into Walnutport I stopped at a particular place I've been there a number of times and a lady came out of that place and she said can I talk to you a minute I said you may she said I watch you with my family every week on your live stream she may be watching right now 
and with tears running down her face, she asked me if I would help her family out in a certain area or two. I said, ma'am, our church and myself, we would be more than honored to be able to participate with your family in this beautiful way. Just letting our light shine. It was Friday morning. I was headed to the office. I was going up 248, and I felt like I needed to go stop at a certain place. And the Lord spoke into my heart, not out loud, just spoke into my heart. He said, Kev, I want you to ask Miss so-and-so if she has made her peace with me. I walked in. She was the only person there. I knew it was God talking to me. I said, ma'am, I think you're a wonderful lady, and I really like you. I don't want to go to heaven and you not be there. Have you made your peace with God through Christ? And she said, yeah. I said, John 3, 16, like, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. She quoted the rest of it to me. She said, I've done that. She said, we need more conversations like this. I said, man, this is what we need. It'll change our world. My wife has made many trips to Missouri. She's making two more over the next few weeks with her folks. And a, a request we've had for you for over, well, 10 years at least, that the trailer business that they used to run, that that property would sell. And we were getting nothing. And out of nowhere, in God's timing, a guy came up and said, I want to buy it. Boom, settlement on February 7th. We're ecstatic. We're over the moon. It's like, thank you, don't give up. Don't give up. But she was flying back, and while she was flying back, she didn't have any conversation with people around her, but when they were getting ready to land over here at ABE, there was a guy who had flown all the way here. He was on business into this area. And she just shared just a little bit with him, told him she's a pastor's wife, whatever they talked about. She didn't talk a whole lot of Jesus, just talked to him. He ended up working with somebody from the church who said, I sat by a pastor's wife who was flying from Missouri back out here. And uh, our member from the church said, was that... Would her name have been Pam? Said yes. The guy said, she made me think. I'm releasing you today, BWC. Go be the light. Go shine the light of Jesus Christ. Don't hide it under a bushel. Somebody somewhere needs you this week. You can make the difference in their life. And our band is here for our closing song. Go ahead and lead us. Go in victory. Go in peace. Go with God.